You're listening to StudiaCast, a podcast created because a few dedicated Studia shippers decided that canon just isn't enough. In order to quench our extreme thirst, we review and discuss the hidden gems of Studia fanfiction. We hope to introduce the fandom to new material while supporting talented authors. This is StudiaCast. Hi, welcome to the first ever StudiaCast. This is a podcast where we talk about the underappreciated fic gems in the Studia fandom. We're hoping that you will read along with us and maybe write some reviews and then come fangirl with us about our favorite Team Wolf couple. So my name is Rachel. I'm Ron Gasm on Tumblr and I will be your host. Sorry, uh, I'm Saving Skies on Tumblr. And I'm Maggie and I'm Red String Banshee on Tumblr is also Rachel. Um, my URL was It's Always Lydia, but I recently changed it to Clary Fail, Clary Fail Child, which I cannot <laughs> say because it's too new. <laughs> so the fic that we are going to be talking about today is actually a series. It's two fics. It's the Out of the Ash series by Madgrad2011. And this fic is basically a character study about Lydia, actual Ice Queen Lydia Martin, um, that starts <laughs> around, I guess, season one-ish. And then it moves until, at this point, it's an incomplete series, but it ends around the finale of season four. So it goes through all these amazing moments in Styles and Lydia's development, and the writing is absolutely beautiful. So I thought that we could start off by talking about things that we loved about Lydia's characterization in this fic, because it's so based around who she is and who she's becoming throughout this series. I think that um, in the very beginning of the fic, in the, in the first part, um, it starts off with Lydia lying in her bed and being unable to touch her most recent wounds, which are the wounds that Peter had given her. And it kind of starts off, like, talking about her scars, and um, that's kind of, like, the theme of the first part is, like, the scars that she has and that she carries with her. But I thought that was very telling for, like, her characterization that, like, this is, like, a new scar, like, a new part of her that she, as of right now, is, like, unable to accept. And I thought that the way the word scar kept popping up at random places throughout the fic was so phenomenal. You would be reading and she'd be on something completely different and suddenly the word scar would come up and it would be separate from all the other, like, words that she was using to describe something. And you could just, like, in that sense how much it was hitting her over and over again, like, this is her body. Yeah, she always uses cracked, chipped faded, scarred, and mm-hmm. it was, like, yeah. heart-pounding every freaking time. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> Lydia, I'm yeah. sorry. I also thought that yeah. it was really, really wonderfully in character the way, you know, she did kind of use the one-night stands to learn oh, how to yeah. accept the scars on her body. Definitely love how her first one-night stand is kind of, like, it's this, like, it's this tragedy. He does not accept her at all. Mm. He just kind of uses her and discards her, but then she doesn't stop herself from, like, flirting with the second guy and then ultimately hooking up with the second guy and then the third guy like she's acknowledging that it's really unhealthy but she's like this is how I'm gonna cope yeah this is how I'm gonna deal with this and it's like I just I love the inner voice that Lydia has in this fic because it's very logical very methodical very categorized um like Corey said she always uses the same adjectives when she's thinking about herself and she's always like Mm. listing things and I just really really loved that because it was 
it felt so in character to me, and I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's also some moments where she kind of treats styles in a similar manner. Like, she she will observe things that he does, and then you don't realize that she's observed it until she says something in the fic, like, oh, there's Styles doing that thing again, like he always does. I liked how they got close really slowly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lydia yeah. and Styles, Like, he kind of, you know, shares a part of himself with what he went through with his mom and how much the McCalls mean to him. Mm-hmm. But Lydia isn't like, oh my god, let me tell you everything, because Allison's not here. <laughs> she actually mm-hmm. says... Oh, you know, at one point, like, I, I still have Allison. Like, I don't need you to, like, pat my back and tell me it'll be okay. But she still does really appreciate that he's just kind of, like, quietly approaching her and saying, you know, I won't run away if you... It just, it just felt really genuine. Yeah, and that's so styled, too. Yeah. Something that I really loved was the first time... She called him on the phone, and it says, um, hello, he answered a little hesitantly, <laughs> and I could absolutely picture that. And she was like, this is Lydia, Lydia Martin, and he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember there was, like, a moment in the, like, Everyday I Said Baby Day episode where she calls him on the phone, and he picks up, and he's like, Lydia, I can't talk right now. And it kind of yes. implies that they have been talking, and they've, like, built this relationship that we haven't seen on screen, and I loved how this fic embraced that relationship and showed us a little bit of mm-hmm. how that played out. And this fic mm-hmm. really did do, like, amazing things with canon. So it, yeah. like, took the canon material Absolutely. and then just filled in the blanks for everything. And it was just, like, so amazing to read because we, I think, especially as studio fans, are, like, starved for this information <laughs> that we're not given. So, like, for her to, like, kind of substitute everything and in ways that I had never thought of or like new different creative ways to like substitute those kind of things it was just so great to read yeah absolutely my favorite kind of fic is stuff that can take missing scenes and then fill them in and then as soon as I read them I instantly accept them as canon and canon accepted (laughs) it is canon that's how I feel yeah yeah Yeah. no it totally it just makes sense you know the way that she writes it and in, in its relationship with the canon, it, it just makes sense. Like, yeah. Especially, like, I love in the beginning how her first um, kind of, like, observations of styles, and we touched upon this before, but it was, like, very passive. So, like, she writes that, like, her, like, observing styles, but it's, it's like, very kind of an under-the-table under gesture, you know? So, like, her observations become, like, more fleshed out later on in the stories, yeah. but... You know, she's still observing, like, even from the beginning with Styles. She really is. She's, like, taking it in and cataloging it, which is so cool. Cool to see. I really loved the way the way part one worked, the way it juxtaposed the one-night stands with a Styles scene. So you'd have sexual mm-hmm. intimacy, and then the next part over would be emotional intimacy and then after that she'd have sexual Mm -hmm. intimacy again and then emotional and it did that so many times that it became really clear like what the author was attempting to convey and I really appreciated Mm -hmm. that I appreciated the the clear-cut difference that it showed us in the way Lydia Mm -hmm. divides sex and love in her mind with the with the boys that she was having sex with it was men who like didn't understand her or like use pickup lines you know like Mm -hmm. it it just wasn't real it was with somebody that like I said 
they just don't get her. And then the next scene with Styles, it would always like be him saying something like slightly profound or like showing evidence that like this is somebody who like really knows her and, and like really understands who she is as a human being. Going off what Rachel was saying about the juxtaposition is the one night stand that she has right before junior year starts. She actually doesn't talk to Styles and she I think doesn't sleep well and she's really unhappy because they didn't like she didn't get her like next day emotional stuff. Like she missed that half of her routine. And I, I really liked that. Like she can't sleep mm. or something. Or she's feeling really upset that she deleted his voicemails. There's this line that I think kind of captures this. Um, when Styles looks up, his expression is a mixture of admiration and amusement. Of course you did, he says. Yeah. You're Lydia Martin. The way he looks at her in the scenes where they're having coffee together is it's so like he doesn't have any expectation of anything but like he appreciates her and he sees her and I think that this line kind of merges effortlessly the Lydia that we see in season two and the Lydia we see in season three and like the despite the fact that it's it's the summer between those two seasons and I think that this fic does an amazing job of showing the way her character rolled from one character into another character. Like, she brags about getting her projects done early because she's that smart. And it's just, that's incredible to me. So one of my favorite things that I like, that writing-wise I liked how the author went back to in the fic was Lydia hearing her friends' voices when she's interacting with her other friends. The first time this happened was when she's saying goodbye to Allison before she goes to France. And she's saying, like, be safe. They're telling each other to be well. And in her head, Lydia hears Styles' voice saying, you know, if anything happened to you, I'd go out of my freaking mind or something like that. And later, she hears Allison telling her, you know, something else. And I don't remember if she ever hears Scott's voice in her head mentally. But I just thought that was so... Because at this point, she's not even, like, hanging out with Styles. Yeah. And she's remembering this really emotional scene. And she's saying goodbye to her friend. Allison, who we know Lydia loves and cares about. And just the relationship that Mad Grad wrote for this was just beautiful, like, Absolutely. between Allison and Lydia. And that part when she says goodbye before Allison leaves for France, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go dig up my own grave right now because <laughs> I'm very unhappy. I love the braiding scene. It was so well done. The braiding scene between Allison and Lydia and, like, Allison's quizzing her about Aiden. I loved that scene. And Lydia during that scene was so Lydia, too. Like, how Allison is asking her, like, this question that she wanted to avoid and, like, didn't want to answer. So instead, she's like, Allison, like, I'm messing up your braid. Do you guys have any favorite lines from part one? Mine actually isn't a Lydia quote. It's when they're having a sleepover and Lydia wakes up having a nightmare and they talk through uh, Lydia's trauma and what she experienced and... Allison admits she's also been having nightmares about her grandfather, Gerard. And Lydia says, if Peter's not my fault, then Gerard isn't yours. Yeah. And mm. Allison just kind of, like, shrugs it off. Didn't even know I needed to hear that, like... Yeah. You know, Allison say how much it bothered her about what happened with her and her grandfather and how he manipulated her. I really appreciated the fact that this author um, really, like, talked about the trauma that Lydia went through. Um, one of my favorite one-liners, it's a gross one-liner, but it's a, it's a description of Peter, and it says, flakes of burnt skin flutter off his body like paper oh. butterflies. <laughs> Another kind of gross one-liner. I don't know why I picked all the gross ones, but 
was the one where Lydia was talking about her father leaving, and it says Lydia thought that wound was probably still weeping, but would never admit it out loud. It talks again about, like, her scars and the emotional baggage that she carries, and how this wound was, like, one that was still not healed. This aligns yeah, with all of my <laughs> headcanons about her parents and, like, her relationships with her parents. So I was just, like, the entire time going, yes, queen, because it felt so right. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line is this fucking wonderful piece of... Styles is postulating <laughs> the existence of unicorns when she admits to herself that she likes spending time with him. First of all... I love that it was during unicorns, too. <laughs> that's, yeah, like, literally the number one reason why I picked this line. Unicorns? Like, imagine Scott McCall riding on the back of a unicorn. No. No. <laughs> why would you put that image Why would you not want to see that? Fucking no. <laughs> you, why don't you like Scott McCall on oh the back of a God, unicorn? No, no, no. Now I'm imagining it. This is not Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god he would feed it cupcakes <laughs> no Scott that's not good for unicorns no it's fine they're unicorns they can know. handle it <laughs> one thing that I would really love to read from like Styles's point of view in this fic is the Motel California scene where she's like clinging onto him and like crying into his neck like it literally says Lydia is crying into his neck and I'm like I would like to know what Styles Zelensky thinks about the fact that Lydia Martin is crying into his mm-hmm. neck. It was really refreshing to see it from Lydia's point of view instead of seeing it just as a whole from when we were in on the show. Yeah. It was great to see it that way, but I don't know what, like, to see it from Styles' point of view, like, there's so much going on. Yeah, I think that the other three people in that scene are having, like, such chaotic thoughts, but Lydia mm. is just, like, really focused on what she saw and then what she just did. Like, I think she compartmentalizes a lot better, which is why it's very compelling to read yeah, from her definitely. point of view. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like in this state of hyper-awareness during that scene. And, um, I was going to say, Rachel, what you said about like, how do you think Styles is reacting to the fact that like Lydia's crying into his neck? Um, I wanted to say like, I feel like he's not even processing that. Like his, his concern is always about Lydia's safety and, like, her feelings and her needs. So, like, I think it doesn't hit him until later, like, oh, holy shit, she, she was, like, really emotional on my collarbone or something. <laughs> 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 on my collarbone? <laughs> I think we have a thing for collarbones. I don't know. God. It, I guess that, I guess collarbones has to bring us to part two. In the first scene, when someone's, like, Lydia's a banshee, I think it's Styles, and Allison's like, oh, like in Harry Potter. I'm pretty certain that the only <laughs> the only time banshees are mentioned in Harry Potter is when Seamus Finnegan sees his boggart, because his boggart's a banshee. Yep. So Allison yep. must be yeah. fucking like into Harry Potter. I didn't know that banshees were mentioned in Harry Potter other than that one time, so I thought that was a very weird jump, Allison. <laughs> so in part two of the fic, I think something that's really interesting is that you can see the shift in Lydia starting to think of herself and Styles as partners in the way that she phrases things and the way she considers their relationship. I love the part when um, right after Jennifer Blake leaves and uh, Scott is telling Lydia, like, what happened? Like, we need to know what's going on. And Styles interrupts him and says, Scott, we know what happened. Just to, like, kind of spare Lydia a bit. And just Lydia's observation of him, where it says, like, his hand kind of, like, tremors near his mouth, and then he notices her watching him, and he, like, crosses his arms. And I think that kind of, like, little snippet was, like, very telling about how, like, 
now she's like really kind of focusing on him and his actions and he's noticing her focusing on him so yeah like the the author picked up a lot of like the little things that we see in the show and like expanded Mm -hmm. on them in that way and that was so great you see it all the time on the show and it's never like really really out there unless you're looking for it because and we are because we are looking for it but (laughs) we're always (laughs) looking and watching with a magnifying glass. <laughs> Slow-mo. <laughs> but she really expanded on it, and, like, it was so... Anything in this figure just feels so genuine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the actors really are wonderful in that they give each other these meaningful glances, and this author has taken the meaningful glances and been like, and this is what yeah. Lydia was, ha- was, like, seeing right then, which is mm. so great because Lydia is such a closed-off character on the show, but we're lucky enough in this fic to be in her head and knowing what she's noticing and what she's feeling and how she's piecing things together. So, like you said, Corey, I agree completely. It's We're starved on the show, but we're so incredibly lucky in this fic. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. gorgeous. One of my favorite parts of part two is when she says their kiss instead of the kiss. Mm-hmm. I... Uh- Oh, I love the idea oh, wow. of, like, it belongs to both of them. And, like, I know that, like, she kissed him, so technically it's, like, her kiss to him. Because there wasn't, like, all that much reciprocation that we had seen because of the lighting. But um, just the idea that, like, it belongs to both of them and, like, she knows that it means something to both of them. I really love that. I love the idea of them, like, sharing this thing that is so intimate. And, like, it isn't a real kiss in the way that, like, Styles probably would have wanted in another scenario. But I, I love that mm-hmm. that there instead of the is so loaded right there. And it it mm-hmm. makes you feel like well, Lydia's character probably does, which is that the gun's kind of getting cocked and, like, it's starting to... It's starting to move a little bit. The, the shift from, mm-hmm. like, this partnership to now they're becoming something bigger than that, something scarier to her. Yeah, the author actually really specifically, I think writes that shift when Lydia is, like, trying to lock the emotions that she has immediately after the kiss away. Like, she's gonna forget about them. Like, she's putting them aside. But then by the end of her, like, remembering it while Styles is in the ice bath, she's clutching it to herself to remember. And, mm. like, not just to remember that it happened, but, like, how she felt. And the phrase is actually, she imprints him on her heart. That whole ice bath scene was just incredible, and I I love how the author wrote how um, they were suspended between life and death, literally and figuratively, because I'd never pictured it that way, but it was, like, so beautiful. But I wanted to ask you guys, like, there's a scene where Lydia's kind of, like, alone with her thoughts while they're all waiting for them to resurface in the ice bath, and Isaac approaches, and they kind of have, like, a little bit of an exchange, and then he he kind of leaves her, like, and I was just wondering, like, what you guys thought about how, you know, where Isaac's mind is with Lydia right now, because I can't remember exactly, like, what Lydia says to him, but it's, like, very clear that he kind of notices, like, she's taking this, like, pretty difficultly. I definitely think that Isaac is still in the place where he has lost his three family members. They've, they've all died. And this girl who he's opening up to is now technically, like, dead right now. And his best friend, Scott, is technically dead right now. And, like, he's just, he he has no idea. Like, he can tell that Lydia needs something, but he has no idea what 
what to do with that. And that's why, like, he comes off kind of gruff to her because he, you know, like so many of the characters, uses sarcasm to, like, defend himself. And so she's, like, kind of gruff back because she can't, like, you know, she's going through a lot. We know she's going through a lot. So she's like, I can't deal with you being sarcastic at me right now. (laughs) Yeah. It it felt really true to Isaac because, like, Lydia and Isaac were never really close in the show, and so there was, like, this little moment of, hey, we, we're we going through the same thing right now, but we don't, we're dealing with it in different ways, and, and it was kind of nice to see that contrast. Yeah, Isaac is not, is, like, totally ready for Dean to come out and say it didn't work, the three of them are dead, and Lydia is refusing to even prepare herself for that because yes. she doesn't feel anything, and she's... I mean, she's just discovered she's a banshee, so she really, really doesn't know what her powers can do. But she's just like, I refuse to even entertain the fact that I need to prepare myself for these three people to be dead. Yeah. yeah. And segueing from, like, her refusal to, like, let these people go, how yeah. incredible was that scene where she's, like, visualizing the string and she's, yeah. like, mm-hmm. tugging it and saying, I like, know. come back. I actually wrote a part of this down. Um, It says... A tingle crawls its way up her spine as the hairs on the back of her neck stand on end. She feels a sharp tug beneath her ribs on her left side, urging her towards the tubs. When Stiles's head breaks the surface of the water, she's already halfway to her feet. Mm-hmm. I love the implication love that, that she that. feels that mm-hmm. he's waking up before he's her tether, and she feels that Stiles is waking yeah. up before he even gets out of that tub. Like, she's already on her feet. She's there. She's ready. Can we talk about how much I freaked out when I realized that the dream she was having was the same dream that Styles was having in the 3B premiere. Yes. Oh, right. oh God. I was, I was like, on the edge of my seat at that point. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but her demon was Peter, and Styles' demon was mm-hmm. himself. She's able to, like, jump between her nightmare and Styles' nightmare. So Lydia has a lot more awareness in, in her mind, which... You can kind of see in Styles' dream in the 3B opening because Lydia's telling him not to go in there. She's actually, you know, mm-hmm. interacting with him. And then I, I had said before that her the person who was taunting her was using Peter's voice. But when Styles' demon is revealed, eventually we it's it's him later in the season. There's never another person. It's always like Styles versus himself, kind of. Can we talk about Aiden a little bit? Because I loved the way Rachel wrote Aiden. Really? I wrote, go fuck yourself, Aiden, in my notes. <laughs> and, like, a small part of her thinks that she, that he was relieved when they didn't find Styles in the basement at Eichenhaus. Maybe your connection that's isn't precisely. as strong as you thought. I wrote that line down, and that's where, go fuck yourself, Aiden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right under that line. I mean, it was brilliant. And, yeah, it was. It was. Because <laughs> you know that it's Lydia was though, thinking because... that in canon. What was that? Because you know that Lydia was thinking that in canon, about herself, probably. And the, and the thing is, like, in canon, we see that Aiden is insecure when it comes to Lydia and, and Styles. And there was another part, like, in the, in the first part of the story, when it says something, like, about Jackson being insecure, yeah, before his cruelty revealed itself as mm-hmm. insecurity in front of Styles' Jeep. And we just kind of see, like, that these men in Lydia's life, like, they're insecure, and it's over Styles, and it never explicitly says, like, why that is. I think that one of the things that I love that this fic does is that Styles is the only, he, he's never, in canon even, he's never quite insecure about, like, other guys, 
And in this fic, he's the only guy who isn't constantly portrayed as wanting sex from Lydia. And so I think it's really interesting. It shows the same, part two shows that same juxtaposition that we see in part one, where Styles is able to provide her that emotional intimacy while she like goes to seek sexual intimacy from people who don't matter and don't make a difference and don't scare her. And I think that that is so true to who Lydia is right now in canon. Like not even just back then, but right now. I think that there's always going to be a part of her that wants the ease of it. So I think that's really at Lydia's core, and I don't think it's going to really go away, but I think, I hope, fingers crossed, that now that we're getting closer to a canon Stydia, um, that we're going to see those layers maybe peel away, or like like we call it the actual ice queen, <laughs> that maybe yeah. a part of that ice will start to melt away a little bit when we <laughs> see that we've got Styles, we've got, uh, he's always had that emotional connection with Lydia, and now that we're moving forward with this, I hope that it's going to uh, kind of break Lydia out of her shell with where she can trust someone sexually and emotionally at the same time. So true. And I think the kind of funny thing, too, is, like, going back to that insecurity that all these, like, men keep showing Lydia is that how we said Styles like, never shows his insecurity. But it's kind of funny that she's, like, with these macho men, like, Mm -hmm. alpha, I'm so tough kind of guys that are, like, super insecure or styles has like never been represented that way and he like just doesn't give a fuck and it's beautiful (laughs) yeah do all three of her hookups approach her because i know the call yeah okay you're right i believe that's not working she's the one who calls styles so she approaches him all of us just in our heads went (laughs) simultaneously (laughs) i literally gasped This fic just makes me want to die. Like, oh my god. I want to bring up the fucking note. <laughs> because this, oh my goodness, this, my god. this isn't even a headcanon that I have. I think that's literally just a piece of paper that says for Lydia. I don't think there's a note in there. So do I. But, um, but I don't even care that, like, she did this. I was like, this is my new everything. Thanks. Um, just the fact that he gave it to her and he's like, please. And she's like, no. And then she writes, not yet, under the for Lydia. I know. Mm-hmm. Jesus, and how, I love the exchange between the sheriff and Lydia after that. Like how he totally yes. like <laughs> sees her kiss Styles' forehead, and he's like, "Like, uh, you want me to walk into your car?" Like, and he says, he and says, like, love. <laughs> he says that boy could sleep through a hurricane, and I love that because he, I feel like he compared yeah. <laughs> Lydia kissing his forehead to a hurricane. <laughs> No, that's yes. what I was thinking, too, is that he just slept through <laughs> you giving him a kiss on the forehead. He probably never thought that would happen. Ha, ha, ha. This fic <laughs> made me realize that we didn't see the first time Styles and Lydia hugged in canon, and I'm angry about it. I feel like he sniffed her hair, and I want to know if he did. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, creepy. <laughs> creepy, creepy, creepy. Uh, that's um, not creepy. Absolutely would. Hair, <laughs> hair smells delicious. I don't know what you guys are doing with your lives. How about that, uh, Lydia kept Styles alive in the tunnel with her body heat. Mm. Shit, that's a fanfic waiting to happen. <laughs> the stuff that was added to those two episodes, the I really, really liked how how there was logic to how the Nikitsune got Lydia out of the house. Yeah. Two adults, like, or three adults, because Peter was there too, no big deal. <laughs> because Lydia yeah. thought that he was Styles, the one who had done the throwing up, not the one who had been thrown up. I, I really appreciated that because, good lord, Mrs. McCall and uh, D. And how did you lose a teenage girl and a demon? Yeah, <laughs> because you've been filling in like, potholes. Like, 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Especially when you think about, like, how after, like, he was thrown up and Lydia's taken away and Deaton's just like, hey, Scott. And they all, like, look through the open door like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, so lame, you know? Like, like seriously, what just happened? No idea. No idea. The way she wrote the PTSD from the Nagitsune was I've never quite seen that like paralleled like I've read a lot of post 3b fix because I think feel like that was the height of the city of fandom mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. the the scene where she goes to see him in his bedroom and he's like a thing with my face tortured you also he has wet hair which means there's no gel in it thank you yeah I really like that part and I liked how um kind of going back to like how she saved him with like her body heat that was kind of like juxtaposed because she's like they're both kind of blaming themselves for a death that they think they could have prevented but Mm -hmm. in actuality like she ended up saving life and you know it's not her fault that allison passed away but um (laughs) i like the way she effortlessly just like started referring to styles as her best friend in that scene Mm -hmm. yeah it just happens Well, she refers to the three of them as her best friends mm-hmm. in the ice bath scene, but I do, you definitely don't really, like, it doesn't hit you super fast that she's mm-hmm. using it now, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely, like, heartbreaking. He's, he doesn't want to talk to her, and she's calling him her best friend. Oh, God. <laughs> in her head. She's not telling him, because that would be sharing, but... <laughs> and the fact that he says to her, I just need some time... And it literally still feels like they're on timeout, and it's senior year. Mm-hmm. Like, in canon Time now. Time to press play, kiddos. Let's go. <sighs> Styles. Mm-hmm. Like, do do the fast-forwarding. This, like, slow-mo thing is exhausting. I need a nap. It, um, it, it, do, it does literally feel like they're on pause, and they have been for a long time, and Styles has filled it with other things. And then like, it just kept happening <laughs> to Lydia. <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, that's a little bit off-putting, to say the least. But um, I also love the line when she's talking about the ice bass and, like, her best friends, and she's saying she doesn't believe in inevitabilities, but she does believe in her friends. And I just thought that was, like, such a beautiful line. And it kind of goes back to, like, the fates that we were talking about, how she, you know, thought of the, the fates and then the string that, like, pulls them together and... I don't know. It's beautiful. Like her, just her relationship in general with like the people in this story. Yeah. And in part two, especially, um, the Madgarad really laid foundations for all these relationships that Lydia will have, like when Styles hits that pause button on the two of them. Like her and Scott become closer after she sees him shift in part one. Um, she has a really sweet moment with Derek. She has a bunch of really sweet moments with Malia, which were so, so important to me. I I want to believe in them so much that they really can happen. Because, yeah, otherwise, and she even, you know, thinks about it herself, she's really lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And that line that Malia says to her, like, in the very beginning when they're first meeting, and she just says, like, right out, you look sad. I was like, oh, Oh. God. (laughs) She is. She's incredibly sad. Like, to hear Malia speak those words out loud, and then for Lydia to say, like, it's because I am sad. I was like, oh, well, now I'm sad, too. Like, this is really <laughs> sad. Yeah. I thought that was a nice yeah. touch. Because yeah. we only kind of see Lydia being annoyed with Malia in season mm-hmm. four. But to see they ha- them have this, like, they do have, like, a nice relationship. They can be friendly. 
that like kind of speaks to Lydia's character development too because like again she's like no longer hiding those parts of herself that are like that she thinks are unsightly or that people won't you know be receptive to it's just interesting to see that she's showing this vulnerable part of herself and you know once Malia pointed it out like she didn't feel the need to hide it she just accepted it and was like yeah I am this thing like I, and I do feel this way I think it is time to talk about my favorite scene Guys, if 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 you like think that I'm okay at any point during this conversation, then you are wrong and I'm not crying hard enough. The quote is this. It'll be like dipping my toes in a lake, she thinks. I just need a taste, a taste of what our friendship used to be before everything changed. I also wrote that line down and underneath oh. it I wrote fuck me. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene was just phenomenal. Like I think that if you, everybody who is going to read this fic, and you have to read this fic, like, you'll know exactly what you're talking about when you get to it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it is just, like, a standout scene. There's so much in it. That you didn't get in yeah. th- from that episode. Like, everything Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's a really important missing scene, and it's very beautifully done. Just the emotions, the, the language used, it's, it's so good. I really cannot stand any of this. In a good way, though. <laughs> but, like, the parts, good but the parts that I can't stand the most are, A, the positioning, the way his hand is on her cheek and she's leaning into him and he's, like, being so gentle, and B, the fact that he is fucking humming Not Just a Girl by She Wants Revenge. Yeah, that, that uh-huh. fucked me up real good. <laughs> but you know what? Like, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Not Just a Girl is the most slept on Oh. Song. I'm gonna pretend that he and was me. humming the part that goes, your mind makes me want to know you more, so tell me what we have in store, tell me everything, because he was, okay? <laughs> that was the part he was humming. I want to talk about the end of the fic. I love the scene where they're talking about Peter and Malia's feelings, like, don't even occur to oh, Styles, which freaking sucks, but then there's this line that I love where it says, um... He stops and looks at her, placing his hands on his hips. His hair sticks up at odd angles from where he's run his hands through it. His blue t-shirt has ridden up above the gray band of his boxers on his left side. There is nothing <coughs> to that except for the fact that I like thinking about Style Slinsky's underwear. <laughs> Something I liked about the end was how instead of... So Lydia's just been pushed aside by her friends, basically, at the end of season four, the way that she's pushed aside by Jackson. Sorry, are you are you bitter? I can't, I can't tell. I, I don't know. <laughs> Let me just put this lemon down. Instead of doing what she did in, at the end of season two, which was she has those, those hookups, she does go to an attractive young man. But she's like, you know what? My new coping mechanism is going to be doing supernatural research. And young? I was like... As this fix clearly demonstrates, she's not going to cope with sex anymore. She's going to cope with seeking more knowledge, which is what Styles showed her helped in part one of this fic. Uh, yes. You go, girl. I'm proud of you. And that is a great way to close <laughs> um, our first City of Cast episode. So if you stuck with us to the very end, thank you for listening. We talked about With a Beautiful Sigh and A River of Lies and... My heart is gold and my hands are cold by the incomparable Madgrad2011 on both AO3 and Tumblr. Next week, we will be talking about It's a Kind of Magic by Miss Goalie75. 
which is a Hogwarts AU, and it's absolutely phenomenal. So I hope that you guys will join in and read it with us and talk to your friends on Tumblr about it and send reviews to it and maybe give the author some love. And the same goes for Madgrad 2011 because these authors are both exquisite and deserve all the affection that the fandom can give them. So... I'm Rachel, and my URL is Rongasm. I'm Corey, and I'm Saving Skiles. I'm Maggie, and I'm Redstring Banshee. And my name is also Rachel, but you can find me at Clary Fail Child. And City is going to be canon in 2016. Have a great night. At Cydia Cast, we review and discuss our favorite Cydia fix. If you enjoy the fic as much as we did, be sure to leave the author some love and encouragement. You can find us on Tumblr at the URL Cast or on Twitter at Cydia underscore cast. A huge thank you to our editor, Rosemary, Row Your Boat on Tumblr, for making this possible, and to you, our listener, for tuning into this episode. See you next time.